Hey everyone, and welcome to the God and My Girlfriends podcast, where we talk about how to nurture the most important relationships in our lives, our relationships with God, our friends, and with ourselves. So join us, won't you? Hey everyone, Marsha here, back for episode number five of our little podcast. The little podcast that is growing and growing, and I'm just thrilled to be hearing from so many of you who are listening and sharing and finding our topics valuable. That just makes me so happy. And hey, if you are listening, if you could just take one minute and go over to whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on and give us a rating and a review, you you don't understand how much that helps us. It helps us grow. It helps us get the word out. And so um, y'all go give us a five-star rating and a great review. That's your your assignment for the week. Thank you very much. All right, getting to our guest this week. You know, this is a special episode because we have our very first guy friend on the God and My Girlfriends podcast. It's my dear friend, Mark Smeeby. Mark has been a wonderful encourager to me and to this ministry right from the very beginning. And I've been so grateful for that. Mark is a singer-songwriter, an actor, a speaker, and an author. He's been an in-demand writer in the Christian music and publishing industry for nearly 25 years. Everything from in-depth feature stories, album reviews, humorous essays, award show scripts, liner notes. I mean, he's done everything. He even co-authored Russ Taft's memoir, I Still Believe. And as an actor, Mark has appeared on the hit TV series Nashville, as well as multiple roles in faith-based films. Mark's latest book is titled Losing Control, Finding Freedom in Letting Go. And it is seriously one of my most favorite books that I read in 2020. And I read a lot, so there you go. (laughs) And we're going to dive into some of that awesome book today. But first, I just want to say what I love the most about Mark is his willingness to be vulnerable and open about his life, his spiritual journey, and even some of his own struggles. Struggles with his self-worth and value in this world, sometimes connecting it with his career ups and downs. I mean, I can totally relate to that. And it's so refreshing to actually hear someone talk about it because I think many of us find ourselves attaching our value to what we do rather than who we are. And I just appreciate his openness in our conversation today and how he has learned to listen to his own words of hope and compassion for others and for ourselves. Mark was on one of our Facebook Lives last year, and his episode was one of our most popular. So I know everyone is going to love what he has to share today in our conversation about life, love, and hope. So y'all grab a cup of tea or a glass of wine And sit back and join us for this beautiful and inspiring conversation with my friend, Mark Smeeby. Hi, Mark Smeeby. Marsha Ramirez. (laughs) How's that for a new theme song, maybe? Oh, my gosh. I love that. (laughs) But I, you know, 
That's going to spoil me. I'm going to expect my husband to sing every time I walk into the room now. Mark sings when I get him. <laughs> oh, man, it's so good to be with you. I've become such a fan of your podcast. So to Are be a serious? part of it. Oh, my gosh, yes. I don't miss them. I usually, I don't always get them on Monday, but at least by Tuesday. And just, there's been, there's so much heart, and I absolutely just love your presentation. You are such a gentle guide. You remind me of one of my public radio heroes, Krista Tippett. She is so fantastic with her interviews and her presence, and you have that same kind of quality. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. You're the welcome. check is in the mail. Oh, yeah, good. Thank you so much. Finally. finally. Yeah. I, I am... That really means a lot. Thank you, because I cool. am a, a new podcaster. So that that encouragement and support from and you have you've been supporting me, cheering me on in the background for quite a while now, and I do appreciate you so much. Thank you, you Mark. Got it. You I'm got glad it. you're here. Yeah, me too. So I uh, I just got through kind of telling our listeners a little bit about all the things that you do and have done, but I've been starting this podcast with the same question every time. Because I just want to give you an opportunity to say one thing to our listeners. Just tell them a little bit about who you are. Who is Mark? Like something about you. Yeah. Um, that maybe they don't know. That they don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Secret time. Yeah. Well, I, I, some people know this, but not a lot of people know that I'm just a huge dork for 80s music. Like, I'm serious. Like, I listen to 80s music all the time. That Between that and classical music, I mean, that's where you'll find me on that spectrum. Um, but I man. love 80s music, too. Ah, oh, that's so good to hear. What, what are some you of have... your favorite? Now, give me your favorite songs. Okay. Come on. Well, Huey Lewis, uh, Power oh, yeah. of Love is so good. Power of Love. Mm, yeah. Mm, 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 mm. Oh, yeah. I'm jamming. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, anything Lionel Richie did all night long, um, all you are... Night. So good. So oh, good. Yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, Madonna, Janet Jackson. I mean, just, I mean, all the all the normal ones. But, um, you know, um, and I, I'm i not just saying this because of your employer, but, like, I love Christopher Cross as well. And He's man, awesome. So good. And I remember when, I, when my mom took me to some department store and I saw that album with the big flamingo on it, another page. And I'm like, oh, mom, please. It's $7.99. Can I get it, please? <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, that was awesome. That had All Right, which is still one of my favorite jam go-to songs and No Time for Talk and Think of Laura. I mean, just, you know, just awesome songs. Oh, man. I, I know. I love, I'm so lucky to get to work with him. I never get tired of his song. I mean, really, it's a fun show to do. And because he's, because I'm a, I'm, I love 80s music too. And a lot of times we'll get booked like on a co-bill with another like Toto or, you know, Michael McDonald or, you know, some nice. other cool 80s people, yeah. and, and Kenny Loggins, you know, oh, it, yes. it, it, it's just such a fun gig because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a dork for 80s music. That's I awesome. like 70s music, but 80s is cool. If there's ever an 80s music dork cruise that you get invited to go on, I am carrying your luggage. Okay. <laughs> Me and, and I'll hang out with Taylor Dane in the cafeteria <laughs> and, and the ladies from Expose will be walking around and no one knows yeah. who they are because they don't recognize it. Anyway, we'll have so much fun. It would be fun. I know. I we I I'll have to try to twist Christopher's arm. <laughs> we can get another cruise going. That'll be that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. You're fun. All right. Well, um, uh, 
let's get into the, the podcast here. We'll get serious here for a minute. I just want to talk just a little bit about your background. Um, you and I met in Nashville, but I know you're not from Nashville. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Minneapolis and lived there till I was in seventh grade. Then we moved to Florida for a few years and then Nebraska for about nine years. So I did high school and college in Nebraska. Then I moved back to Minneapolis, the Twin Cities, to try to get a real job with my <laughs> college career. That did not happen. I started waiting tables and started exploring, doing more music and acting. And, um, and so after a, a couple of years of that, I was like, I'm going to move to Nashville. I'm going to pursue my dreams. I'm going to go after life um, and, and be that kind of a person and not knowing what all that would entail. But it did entail 25 years of my life in Nashville. And wow. uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful for it and all the challenges and the amazing blessings that I encountered down there. And and meeting you at, at that first church that I went to and singing together and all those amazing memories of all that music that we had to memorize. Yeah. Like not, nowadays they have like iPads up on stage. <laughs> we didn't have that. Like we actually had to know the words or at least know how to fake them enough, you know? Right. Oh we gosh. put in the work, didn't we? We did. We did. And the harmonies, oof, it's good <sighs> Nashville. I know. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Like I said earlier, when it was, when before I, brought you on and I was introducing you, you know, you've acted, you do music, you write books. Was music kind of your first love or was acting or I'm just curious. Yeah, it's always been music. I've always wanted to, you know, really it's Donnie Marie's fault to be really perfectly honest. Cause I saw their show much like I'm sure you did. And I'm like, that I was is obsessed. amazing. Right. Obsessed. Like you can sing and you can roller skate and you can <laughs> like act and be goofy and like all these things they did on their show. And it was like, and they're so happy, you know, like, and in my heart, I was like, I want to be happy too. So I want to do what they're mm. doing. And um, so, you know, it was a quest for happiness. It was a quest. It's just very intense quest for attention, you know, that I was hungry for and, and have remained hungry for <laughs> to this day. Uh, but I'm getting better at that in my old age. So thankful for that. So music brought you to Nashville. Yes. That's what you, it was Music City. You decided yep. that's where you're going to go. Yep. Um, but what kind of music, you weren't really into country music, were you? No, not at all. I didn't know anything about it. Um, it was Christian music. And I knew that the Christian music headquarters were in Nashville and all the artists and everyone lived there. And so I knew that that would be the place I would have to be if I was going to um, become famous in the next big thing. How many CDs have you made now? You've got several. Yeah, um, I, nine. Nine. Oh my yeah. gosh, that's incredible. Thank you. Just as an independent artist, it's it's like no, there was no red carpet waiting for me in Nashville. There was there, yeah. there was nobody going. Oh my gosh, you sing so well. Let me help you. In, uh, let me invest in you. You know, it was all about like what can I scrape together to record myself, or what friends can I hoodwink into writing with me. And um, yeah, it took, it was about 17 years of those 25 years that I was waiting for somebody to tell me that it was okay to live the life of my dreams. And I, I, instead, I, I decided I'd turn into a bitter, miserable, cynical person about how God wasn't giving me the life that I thought that I deserved or wanted. And I had a real come to, come to Jesus meeting in my recliner, in my living room with my dog at my side. And, and I felt like God literally said, this life that you want, you can have it, but you have to make it happen. 
I'll help you, but it's up to you. And that's when I made my first CD. So it literally was 17 years after I got to Nashville where I said to myself that I would give that I would give myself the assignment to make my first CD. And then I started touring and radio stations started playing the music and, and I just started cranking out CDs one every year after that. That's incredible. That's fantastic. Um, Thank you. It was really hard and, and yeah, it is still, still challenging. Yeah. Yeah. I know you and I have talked, we've had similar experiences like that. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I started making my own CDs because I was, writing in Nashville and I couldn't get anybody to cut my songs. And so I thought, well, if no one else will cut them, yeah. I'll just, I'll just do it. And at least I'll give them a home for someone to hear them. I, yeah. I mean, if 50 people buy it, that's 50 people that heard those songs that I want to give some life to. So, and I know you're a songwriter too. So maybe that was incentive for you. You wanted to get the songs heard. Uh, oh gosh, I, I don't think I was as purely motivated as that, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just wanted to be heard, you know, like, like, look at me, I'm a valid, worthwhile person, you know, that's, that's what I was shouting through the microphone, um, through these songs, and, and thank, thank God that, that God still showed up through the songs, and through the messages in the lyrics, and, mm. and people um, started saying to me, Mark, you're, your ministry of hope is so special. And I'm like, what? Like, I didn't realize that what I was singing and the songs that I'd written were like so focused on hope that that was the message people were getting. And that was actually the message that I needed to be getting is that hope is, is still a valid option. Like it's still a really good choice to make to live with eyes of hope and, and to, to trust God and, and to, to, to then go on the journey of trying to figure out what that means. And so it's been a quest to, for me to learn what it means to be a person of hope, like practically and not just like a pie in the sky. My fingers are crossed, hoping that, you know, the Minnesota Twins win a baseball game because that <laughs> might not happen. You know, like, like what is actual hope when it comes to my spirituality? It, it certainly can't be about um, getting what I want from God because uh, that hasn't been the case. the song Pilgrim Man, which is the title cut off of Mark's first album. I love what Mark says on his website about how he was inspired to write Pilgrim Man because we're all on a journey and our stories are all still being written. And the great hope we have on our journey is that God is with us the whole way. You'll find the theme of hope in all of Mark's music. He has several CDs of original music, a beautiful hymns project, and even some Christmas music. So make sure you go and check out all of his music, books, and other merchandise on livehopenow.com. And now, back to the conversation. 
One of the things I have loved, I mean, you actually have, I know you say you started writing songs and recording songs that were full of hope, but you turned that message really and created a whole ministry around hope, which I love. Yeah. uh, Again, it was a way to like, how can I, how can I do something different than just the next person that makes a CD? Because everybody makes a CD, right? Like mm-hmm. if you got a computer and a keyboard or a guitar, like you can make a CD in your bedroom. And I'm like, but I have these other skills like of writing and, and voice narration and mm-hmm. this acting thing. And like, how can I combine some of all my other interests and skills into a way that might make me more of a unique package? And so out of that developed the Live Hope Minute radio feature and the some of the books that I've written and that kind of a thing. So, um, yeah, it's it's been an interesting process of just trying to kind of keep spinning plates to keep being able to pay the rent <laughs> and keep myself, you know, entertained and and right. still, you know, hope that God is going to, you know, do something through it all. Oh, absolutely! I believe when we invite God in and let Him be a part of it, He will do something. Absolutely. Um, you've got two books I'm going to talk about today. The oh, first- cool. The first one is your Live Hope Minute daily devotional. I love this so much. It Ooh. is actually 365 days of hope. It's a great gift for people. It li- I think literally each day it takes about a minute to read what you've got. And it's just, it really is such a beautifully written book full of hope, biblical truths. I, and I was just looking here, one of the first things I saw in it, um, is for the month of January. And it says, hope says, God, I can see that you're writing a grand story in the world and in my life. And I can't wait to see what's going to happen next. That is good. That's hope you. right there. Like no that matter is. what I, I kind of learned through years, I'll be 60 this year. I can't believe it. So 60 years of living, I'm finally starting to realize even in the really dark times, I can go, wow, can't wait to see what God's going to do next. (laughs) I mean, you know, he's, he's always shown up somehow, not in the way I thought he would sometimes, but he always shows up. And so that, that is hope. That's like, wow. Okay. This, this stinks right now, but wow, let's wait and see what God's going to do with this. And he, yeah. he, he does show up. He always does show up. So this is a beautiful book. Um, I, I'm so glad that you felt the nudge to write this because I'm sure there's a lot of people have gotten a lot of hope out of that book. I, I appreciate you saying that. that. That has been one of the kind of the things that people have responded to more than anything is that book. Yeah. And, um, and it's in case you don't want to get the book, I mean, of course you can, but th- there's also an app that you can get on your, on your tablet or your phone called the live hope minute. It's a free app and you can listen to each day on your phone. You know, if you wake up, you're like, Oh, let's throw on that live hope minute, Charlie, you know, and then you can listen to it. And, um, I'm, there's a bunch of radio stations around the country that air it from time to time as well. Uh, but so there's just a few ways that you can access that daily burst of hope if you'd like. Well, we'll definitely link that app and where you can get the book. We'll, we'll, we're going to put a lot of links in the show notes oh, here. So terrific. we're going to make sure that people can find everything they want. Thank you. Your latest book, though, 
is called Losing Control, Finding Freedom by Letting Go. It is fantastic. I I could not put it down. And I'm not just saying that. And, you know, I have a lot of friends lately have been writing books and, oh, I'm going to send you my book. And I'm like, oh, I better read their book. They sent me their book. <laughs> I picked this up and I was like, I was served by this book. I was served well by this book. And I, I just couldn't even believe it. I was like, I can't believe my friend wrote a book like this. It's so good. Um, I have like so many things underlined in this book. I don't even know where to start before we get into it though. You started writing what, what actually led you? I mean, you had started writing some, obviously you had, I know you had a book, the messenger, then you had live hope minute. Is there another book I'm missing? of yours? Well, I, I wrote a autobiography with Russ and Tori Taff about That's their life, which is called, I still believe, which is an amazing story of fame and addiction and just uh, of fighting for a marriage and being willing to let it go. And like just a beautiful story of hope and redemption. So I'm so proud of that book too. Yeah. I remember you writing that too. And I had some friends that, that read that book and loved it. I have not read that one, but I'll have to check that out. You said, so, you asked what, what spurred me to write this yeah, one? So what spurred you to write this one? I had recently moved back to Minneapolis and I was, again, I was expecting some sort of red carpet to greet me when I arrived <laughs> and people to be like, oh, I'm so glad you're back. Let's continually hang out and be best friends. And that, you know, that didn't happen, of course. Uh, and it, so it was very quiet and I found myself very much alone. And so I, I was doing a lot of like, okay, God, what are you up to? What do you want me to do as a result of this quiet space? Where do you want me to go? And the quietness led me to this realization that I don't like quiet and I don't like it because it feels empty and I like to feel like I'm uh, in control and I like to feel like I'm pointing things in the direction that I think they should be going. Some of these things are, you know, really good, like good leadership, good, like vision casting. Sure. Uh, but there was, there was this kind of like sick disease that permeated every aspect of my life that was that had made me miserable because I wasn't getting my way as a person. And I, and I felt like God was saying, okay, let's go down that path and let's explore what that is, what that's rooted in. Uh, let's explore some paths out of it. And interestingly enough, I just, so I kind of just started the assignment and what emerged was this idea of like, we're talking about the life of faith. The, me being a professional Christian for a lot of years and claiming to be a person of faith, but like wanting to control everything, it just, it doesn't go together. And uh, it's incredibly humiliating and yet freeing at the same time to finally realize that so much of my dis-ease, my unrest, my disappointment with everybody else was just due to me not getting my own way. And, and to go, what would it mean to actually live a life of faith to say, not what I want, but God, what do you want? Mm. And literally letting go of my agenda. So it was a, it was a crazy like journey, a crazy exercise into like going deep into myself and, um, and wow, what a fantastic, I mean, experience. And in retrospect, um, I like, I don't feel like I was prepared to write the book that I did because 
it was a year later when I felt like, well, the pandemic hit and I felt like God was like, okay, now that you wrote the book, <laughs> right? You wrote the book on this topic. Now let's have you go through it more deeply. Mm. And I actually found a really great therapist that's been walking with me through this idea of like, where's this happiness that I've been craving and where can I find it? And, and what's been holding me back from being the person that I, that God created me to be. And it's a letting go of all these like false selves and, and, uh, and hidden agendas and, um, uh, motives that were based in addiction rather than in a sort of like desire to actually serve other people. So, very been a very profound journey since moving back to Minneapolis wow. hasn't been a, a ton of fun it, it, but um, it's been a very valuable journey so I always say I think you know that we learn best from each other just from hearing each other's stories so I always I'm just always so amazed at people like you and some of my other friends that are willing to like do the work to to be vulnerable and to write about it so that other people can say me too I feel that too. And because so many of us are ashamed of those feelings, we all feel those things. Like we all want to feel like we have some sort of control over our lives. Of course, growing up as a Christian, it's funny. You just said a professional Christian, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, There was actually a quote in your book, I think. Um, Okay. Yeah. Here's a good quote. I wish that my Christian upbringing would have taught me how to accept life on life's terms. Instead, it taught me that I might actually have the power through my relationship with God to affect how life twists and turns. After years and years of disappointment, it's finally clear to me that trying to control life's circumstances or God for that matter doesn't work. It's so much healthier for me to focus on what I can change about myself and my responses to what happens to me. As a result, reading the Bible and praying become more about changing me than changing God. That is good oh, stuff. Thank you. Thank you. I, it, it feels weird and embarrassing and humiliating to hear it read out loud, but at the same time, it is so true, you know? And if anyone's listening right now that f- feels like maybe they didn't get the right manual on how to do Christianity, you know, that's, what that's how I've been living. I feel like... Uh, why is this not working for me? You know, like, why am I not getting the results that are being sold to me from the platform or the TV mm-hmm. preachers? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I felt like I've been broken. And, and so if I would bring that to somebody, you can imagine the responses I would get like, well, are you praying enough or are oh, you gosh. reading the Bible enough? Or like, why don't you join our outreach team or, our, or how about you join the puppet ministry or, you know, like all these things that like, the message I kept getting was it's something wrong with me. I'm not doing it right. And, um, and in, in my heart, and now I can look back and go, God was teaching me that it wasn't that my, my faith isn't about manipulating God to get what I want. And I can't have my relationship with other people be the same way. So how can I learn to surrender all of that? And that's where I landed on this idea that this Christian idea where they say die to yourself, literally, I, I have to die to my desire to get my way. That's what it means to die to myself, to die to my, my need to get my way. 
to die to myself. And that feels like dying. It literally feels like, mm-hmm. well, if I let go of the reins on how I think my life should go, what might happen? Right. That's when faith has an opportunity to swoop in and, and you can hear the gentle voice of God say, I've got you. Uh, and it is transformational because I've believed that like, yeah, God's got me, but I got to make sure that things go the way I need them to go because that's the most important thing to me. And I'm at a point now where I'm like, I've, I literally have nothing to lose. Um, so like I can say, I'm going to let go of the reins of how I think my life should go. And I'm going to just fall into the gentle arms of the Lord that's just saying, I've got you. And this that feeling of like, but what if like that just is dissipating on the wind? You know, mm. like it's just it feels so good. And and additionally, the idea of like I have nothing to prove any longer. Like I thought that I had to prove that I was awesome. Mm. So that people would then, you know, buy my music or read my books or like you, you know, I had to prove myself as a, a viable source of information and inspiration, because then my platform would grow. And I just saw how that was killing me as well and making me just feel less than continually. And so I'm, I'm at the point where it just, it feels so healthy and free to just say, I've got nothing to prove anymore. And, and how can I be aware of those things that I'm doing that might um, intimate that I'm trying to prove something, you know, yeah. like yeah. How, how, being more aware of that is, is, um, is really, it's an interesting process. So I don't have to go down the roads that I thought I had to go, go down my whole life. Wow. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's good stuff. And I, I have been, I'm just sitting here taking it in because I'm like, yes, I have felt so much of that. And other people that I've talked to in the last couple of years have expressed a lot of that same feeling, you know, it's like, wow, I have been praying for this and I'm not getting it. I've been working so hard. I've been doing everything I'm supposed to do. And yet God isn't giving me what I want. You know, why is this not working? It's, it's like a transactional relationship with God. Yes. Rather than a transformational relationship. With oh, God, that's good. That's which, good, Marsha. Which is what we're, what we need. Um, one of the things that, about your book that I love, it's to me, it's sort of a combination of a, of a self-help book, but also a spiritual reframing, which it goes hand in hand. I mean, that's what I've been going through for the last couple of years. A lot of uh, my friends have been going through that, needing to reframe some of the messages that haven't served us well um, in some of our religious circles. You know, um, that maybe it's not my fault that things aren't going the way other people think they're supposed to go for me or the way I think they're supposed to go for me. I mean, I think about, I remember reading Ronnie Millsap's autobiography years ago, and he was blind. And his grandmother would take him to these tent revivals and would go in and they would always have these healers, you know, it was a big healing thing. And she would take him up there and they would, you know, claiming they can do all this healing and they're going to heal him. And of course they never, he never could see. And on the way home, his grandmother would just say, you just don't have enough faith, you know, blaming Mm -hmm. this boy because he's blind because certainly not going to blame the, the healer, you know, right. And I feel like 
there's been a lot of little messages like that, you know, maybe not to that extreme that a lot of people are fighting through and they are reframing, whether you call it deconstruction or evolving faith or um, reconstruction. And there's all these different terms for it. Um, but I think people are just trying to figure out a way to uh, be transformed by God and, and have a have a transformational relationship with God rather than this transactional. If I do this, God's supposed to do this. I mean, that'll fail us every time. God's like, no, that's not how it works. I think I'm really getting there. Yes, man. I think it's so hard to be a Christian these days because there's so many loud voices screaming that this is how you're supposed to do it, you know? And a lot of those people are are spouting really ugly things about other people and you know all the divisiveness it's it's a very difficult time to be a christian and i and i think that um you know everyone can all the experts can argue till they're blue in the face about like why people are leaving the church and why you know all this is happening but i think it i think it comes down to like we've we've been selling a broken gospel and it's exactly what we were talking about this idea that the gospel is somehow going to like, it's like winning the lottery. Like now you're a Christian and now your life is going to be like this. And so like, if you think you, you, you won your lottery and nothing has changed, it, it really is easy to say what's wrong with me. And, and I'm tired of living that way. Um, and so I want to say what's wrong with the way that I've been looking at God and what's wrong with the way that I've been looking at my life of faith. And how can I reframe that in a way that's life-giving, that's filled with hope, that expands my love for other people mm. and, uh, and keeps me living open-handed and curious, like adventurously waiting what God's going to do next. And also looking at every single person I meet as an opportunity to see another aspect of God, as opposed oh, to like, that. that's, that's not my enemy. That's not my stranger. That's not a stranger, but that's like, there's a part of God that's being exhibited through that person. And, um, and I, and I think that's just a, a beautiful way to live. And, and growing up, I was, I was taught a lot of um, us versus them kind of thinking. And I think that's one of the things that you and I are both kind of fighting against mm -hmm. um, very boldly and saying, you know, that there's, there's no, there's no room for that any longer. This us mm -hmm. versus them thinking has kept us apart. It's kept us divided. It's made, enemies out of our brothers and sisters and um, i love what stacy just said in, in your last podcast you know it's not us versus them it's us for them and mm -hmm. uh, i mean it's just like we, we need to stand up because we are all the beloved we are all sons and daughters of god and there are some some people in some religious circles that's that still believe that that you only become a son or a daughter of god once you say these particular magic words uh, that will allow you then to um, accept Jesus into your heart and you get saved. There, there are some people that believe that still. There's a lot of people that don't live that way, of right. course. Right. Um, but the idea that, um, that some people need to be hated or that some people need to be steered clear of like, oh, don't go there. Don't go to that building. Don't go talk to that person. Like if I would have lived that way, I never would have gone into prison. I did, I did prison ministry for 23 years in Nashville. And it's like, <sighs> some people are like, why are you doing that? They don't, do, you know? And I was like, because there's darkness and we need to bring light, light into those places. Yes. So it's learning how to trust the God light 
inside of me uh, and inside of you. And, and like, let me bring that into the dark places. That's what Jesus did. Jesus didn't you know, wait till everybody got everything cleaned up and then come in down to earth, you know, to be with us. He's like, okay, things are kind of dark down there. I think we need, we need, a, we need some light. We need some love. We need some, um, some hope. And uh, how about if I go down there and I show you how, how we can live differently in a way that's upside down, perhaps, to the culture. And I feel like we're in that same place right now. So I'm continually saying, how can I be more like Jesus and, and be light in the dark places and be a voice, a bold voice of love uh, where people are saying, oh, no, don't do that. That's not <laughs> reasonable to do that. Um, you have to protect yourself. I'm like, I don't, I don't have anything to protect. I think we just made that clear got nothing to lose. I got nothing to prove. So let me just give it all away. Oh my gosh. That is good. That is so good. And, and that is true. I mean, Jesus was in the business of tearing down walls. He wasn't yes. putting up. I don't remember any time seeing anything where Jesus said, put up a wall here. Like, don't hang out with these people. I just don't see that in his life. And he was just constantly setting a bigger table, like us more and more people coming yes. in. And um, I remember one time you and I were talking about that, about, you know, creating a bigger table, inviting everyone to our table. And I remember you said something very profound to me. And it's like, also, we want to make sure that we're the type of people that they want to invite to their table. Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh gosh, that's good stuff. Because yeah, sometimes we're all like, who are we going to let at our table? <laughs> right. It's very self-righteous. It is. No. Oh my gosh. It's like, but do people want us at their table? Let's think about this for just a minute. You know what? I think, I think this is hard because it's awkward. Like we want to be around people that we're comfortable with, right? Yeah. We want we want to be able to speak the same language to people and have them understand. I remember um, in college, I studied abroad for a semester in, in Copenhagen, Denmark. It was a fantastic experience. Really? I loved it. Yes. And it was during this time when I was, I was very, you know, super Christian. And I went over there and I, this was my first experience being around people who like could really care less about Christianity, much less religion. It was like, that's for the old people. And I was like, how can you say that? You know, like I was, <laughs> that was really challenging for me uh, because it was so comfortable to be in this, in the fishbowl <laughs> with the same fish that spoke the same language and swam in the same water that mm -hmm. it becomes really comfortable. Mm -hmm. So when somebody says, don't go outside your fishbowl, they're basically saying, it's going to be hard out there. It's going gonna, it's gonna to require you to be more compassionate, more loving, more understanding, more sympathetic than we've actually trained you to be. So better off, you just stay here in this fishbowl. Oh, and, wow. uh, and, you know, traveling is such a good way to get out of that. But making friends, like you keep saying on your podcast, developing relationships with people who are different than you, stepping outside of your comfort zone to learn about all that God has done in this world and all that God has created and how God is manifesting itself through all these beautiful, unique ways that it's so much larger than kind of the small uh, package of uh, neat and tidy understanding that I grew up with. Hi friends, we're taking one more quick break to remind everyone that this podcast is sponsored by God and My Girlfriends Ministries, which is a nonprofit that supports women in all walks of life. 
Women helping women be everything God created them to be. That's our mission. We have online Bible studies and book clubs, a single mama's ministry, live events and workshops, as well as this podcast. If you'd like to support our mission or become involved with any of our programs, feel free to message us on our website, which is www.godandmygirlfriendsonline.com. Or you can find us on one of our socials, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We're everywhere. So reach out when you can and let us know how we can serve you or maybe someone that you know. And now back to the conversation. You know, I, I just, I guess maybe because my spiritual journey has really been evolving lately. I just love hearing about other people's journeys and yes. uh, there's a lot of your journey in this book Thank and you. it's really honest and it's really vulnerable. And I just think it's going to help change people's lives. I really do. You're so relatable. I mean, too many people don't want to go out there and say, yeah, this is how I feel in my heart, yeah. you know, and I'm struggling with it. But somebody told me recently, they said, we might be, sometimes we may feel kind of attracted to perfect people or that, that, you know, persona they put out, but we connect and we relate to the imperfect because we all are, we're all imperfect people and we're all just struggling and we're all just trying to help each other along the way. And books like this, they're helpful. They're so, so very helpful. I appreciate that. I, I think the idea of not showing your faults or your imperfections, for me in my church experience, you don't show any of that because then somebody might see like a chink in your armor of mm. faith. You know, yeah. like you have to instead to, to go kind of stereotypically put on a big smile and make sure that people see Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, so there's no room for like honesty and vulnerability and pain and questions and hurt Mm -hmm. and so part of my journey is like how can i like change things you know how can i lead with vulnerability and lead with honesty and transparency because i believe that people will then find healing and hope and actually see more of god um, as opposed to the the stress and the tension of having to keep up a persona of perfection because everyone will admit that's totally exhausting. Mm, absolutely. Well, you're a beautiful writer and I'm so glad that you, do you have another book in the works? Oh, I, I've, I always have a list of several things that I'm working on, but, uh, you know, right now I just started a, a new blog that is kind of going to be the, the focus. Um, oh, cool. Tell us about that. Well, you know, everyone says, oh, it's a blog, kind of like uh, everyone's doing a podcast, you know, and, and like they keep you from doing it. Uh, yeah. But I'm so glad you did your podcast and, oh, and I hope you keep doing sweet. it for a long time. So I wanted to say, like, could I do a, a blog uh, in a way that is um, uniquely me, that is authentic, that's vulnerable, um, that inspires hope, but also challenges people? I have mm-hmm. lived most of my professional Christian life wanting to just kind of be really nice to people. And yes, I'll challenge people to a certain extent, but I've always been feeling like I have to protect something. I've had something to lose. And I'm at the place now, like I mentioned, where I don't feel like I have anything to prove or anything to lose. So that means it's time to be honest. That means Mm. it's time to stand up for some of these things that I've felt in my heart for years that I haven't been able to express for fear of losing my concert ministry or having radio stations stop playing my feature, which they may, that very well may happen. And I'm okay with that 
because I believe it's more important to help guide people to a place of authenticity where they know they are truly loved by God, regardless right. of what they do, regardless of who they love, regardless yeah. of how perfect they're trying to be and how it's not working out, or regardless of the circumstances of your life. You know, I, some close friends are battling just like horrible diseases. And it's like, God isn't loving you less. You know, God is just so unbelievably loving you right now. And if you can't feel it, let me come alongside it and love you till you feel it. Because I know that that's how God loves all of us. Oh, my gosh, that's beautiful. Absolutely. Oh, my God, that's good stuff. And and I know you, and I know you mean that. I love that. Oh, you have to God. edit all that out. No, <laughs> I'm not going yeah. to. Oh, my gosh. I remember a girl who had, she had recently become a Christian, and she had kind of gotten involved in a fundamental group. Yeah, harshly fundamental. And then as she was going through a difficult time, she was telling me, I've lost favor with God. You know, that's what people were saying. Well, what have you done to lose favor with God? Right. And I was just horrified. I was like, honey, you haven't lost favor with God. Mm -hmm. I mean, just because you're going through this difficult time, he is, he is right there with you. You know, he's going to walk you through this. And I mean, I could look back on my most difficult times and realize that's when God was doing his greatest work in me. I mean, it wasn't yeah. necessarily fun, right? Uh, but I look back and, and I, I remember telling my, my mother one time, I said, no, I don't think I'd change anything about my life. And my little, you know, Southern Baptist mother said, Marsha, you'd go through those two divorces again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually would mom, if that's what it took to get me where I am now, yeah. because I'm, I'm really happy, you know? Yeah. So, and, um, and happiness sometimes takes work and it sometimes takes uh, letting go, not being a yes. control freak. Yes. So as and we circle back around. Absolutely. <laughs> and, I, and I know that there's some people sitting there going, well, my Christian life is not about me being happy. You know, it's about me being obedient or, you know, whatever the, the word is. Right. And I think if we could just like shout loudly over the, the listeners right now, like happiness is available to you. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's it's not something that's out there. Like it's not something um, like I live most of my life thinking that if the next thing would happen or the next accomplishment or the next relationship, that would be where the happiness is. It's always out there somewhere. And, and I've had enough really good things happen to know that that's not how it works either. You right. know, you know, like, sure, I could experience the high and the joy of those fantastic moments, but like, it doesn't change who I am as a person. And it doesn't change, uh, you know, the negative thinking that I have towards myself and up towards God and other people. So reframing that in a way that that is more like life breathing. Right. And um, that's that's what I feel like if, if we can just shout that to people like this place of peace that you're longing to find, it is available and it's actually found inside of you right now. And it looks a whole lot like you. Oh, Mark. Yeah, it tears me up a little bit just to say that because I've longed, I've longed for somebody to say that to me my whole life. That is so beautiful. And it's so true. I mean, God loves us 
exactly as we are, you know, I mean, he created us in his image, like inside us, our souls, who we are, you know, and he, he knows us and he loves us. And, uh, and we don't have to try so hard. We don't have to keep trying to make him love us. Um, what I I love um, the part in my book, if I can say, um, talking about the boat and the barnacles on the boat. Like, I believe that God has crafted like the most beautiful sailing vessel out of our lives. Like we are crafted to sail the seas and to experience the wonder and the majesty. And life puts all these different barnacles on us. (laughs) Some of them we put on ourselves, but some of them are just life happening. And it gets so easy to say my identity is rooted in the barnacles that are on my boat. Mm. As opposed to saying my identity is rooted in this amazingly beautiful boat that God crafted one of a kind uniquely out of his heart and his passion for me to experience this joy. And so to reframe, refocus my attention off of those barnacles that's, you know, we can call that sin, Mm -hmm. like not to say like, oh, those barnacles don't exist, but let's just say like these barnacles don't define me. That's, that's that's not my identity. That's right. But my identity is found that the God of the universe made me for a specific purpose uniquely so I can, I can sail these waters of life with joy and generosity and open-heartedness and peace and and knowing the intimacy of that love as I discover more and more what that truly means to live out of that identity. Well, and what you said just a minute ago too about our relationship with God or being Christian isn't about being happy all the time, but it is about being joyful. I mean, we're, we're called to be joyful. We're, we're called to have the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. All of that is, is part of what we're given. I mean, we get joy when we're connected with God. Now, not that doesn't necessarily mean we're going to be prosperous. Like there's, it's not the prosperity gospel. You know, I, a lot of times you're struggling. I mean, look at the disciples. They didn't, they weren't living in mansions and living big glorious lives, you know, when they were out or nor was Jesus, but they were joyful. They were connected to God and they, they believed it so much that they didn't care about all that other stuff, you know? Um, so just because you might be going through a hard time financially right now, or going through a tough time relationally, it doesn't mean that God has abandoned you, turned away from you, doesn't love you. Um, you can still be carried through that with that relationship with Jesus. And you and I both know that. Um, gosh, our time is flying here. What What is next for you, Mark? What's next? Okay, you're doing your substat. Your Substack, is that what it's called? Yeah, the Substack is the medium um, that I'm blogging on. And it's a wonderful writing community. Um, in addition to that, I'm, I've developed a love for photography that I never uh, have dived into. So I bought a camera and a bunch of different equipment and lenses. And so I'm finding that that's a really cool way for me to worship because I'm, I see things and I go, wow, thank you. And then I say to others, look at this. Like that to me is like the best definition of worship that I can live out right now. Wow, look at this. And thank you. Uh, so that's what I'm trying to experience with my photography. And, uh, you know, if it just brings a smile because somebody sees a pretty picture, that's worth it too. Um, but I'm doing it for my joy more than anything. 
I love something. I think you put it on Twitter, maybe today. I just saw it where you said that you loved being able to help people. <laughs> what did you say? You said you love being able to give people like better, more options than a selfie. You see them like over there trying to get a picture and you're like, you want me to grab that picture? I can just <laughs> yeah. keep doing that. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, was, I went for a walk yesterday and there's a lot of graduating people and their families and I saw them trying to, it was going to be a great picture, but when you're doing a selfie, it doesn't work out. So yeah. I'm like, do you mind? And, you know, and I give them all kinds of different angles and perspectives <laughs> and they're like, what's happening? <laughs> and then they're like, these are the best pictures I've ever seen. So uh, seriously, that is like a tangible way to use your gifts to make the world a better place. I absolutely. love that about you, Mark, that when Thank I you. read that, I went, that is Mark's me being in a nutshell, oh, always cool. looking for a way to help somebody make somebody's day. Like every time I talk to you, I feel, I feel lifted up. I feel encouraged, supported. I mean, you're just a dear, dear friend and I'm so happy you're in my life and I'm so proud of the work you're doing. And so everyone can find Mark on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you're on all the socials, right? Yeah. And, and Substack. My, we're gonna I'm gonna link to all this stuff. Okay, cool. And my notes. website is livehopenow.com. And if you if you want to read this book, of course you can buy it on Amazon or on my web store. Um, but on my website, livehopenow.com, you can also just submit your email and I'll send you a PDF copy of the book if you if you just want to read a di digital version of the book. Um, it's also available as a Kindle or um, as an audiobook as well, too. So well, lots of different ways to experience the book. That shows your heart. You just want people to hear the message. And I Absolutely. appreciate that. But I know that people want to support you in your work, too. So y'all buy Thank the you. book. Thank buy you. The book. <laughs> buy the book. Buy Live Hope Minute, too, because that is fantastic. Absolutely, as well. So Thank you. Mark, thank you for your time today. You're welcome. God I bless love you. you. Friend. You're yes. amazing. Thank you. Thank you for your ministry. It is speaking life to me as well. And um, I can't wait to see what's next. Me too. Have a great day. We'll talk soon. Okay, bye. Bye, buddy. Well, y'all can see now why he's one of my favorite people. He's smart and real and funny and just an amazing guy and I'm so grateful to have his friendship and yes we can learn from guys on this podcast too so I'm always grateful when one of my wise guy friends is is willing to step into our little space here and do life with us so that's it for this week um, y'all make sure you check out all of Mark's uh, music and books and merchandise and uh, you know if you're a church out there um, I'm sure he's starting to book live events as well so um, reach out to Mark all his information will be in the show notes and that's it for today we look forward to seeing you back here next week on the God of My Girlfriend's podcast love y'all be well God.